Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Yeah. I let Coach Sumlin, yeah. I let the stoop. The entire first half, we got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money, and all we wanted to do was have pouty expressions on our face. Hello and welcome to the Around the 12 podcast. My name is Tanner Price and I'm here with my co-host Greg Hockert on the eve of Bedlam, the last one. Um, Greg, how are you feeling about Bedlam, the whole situation overall? What are your thoughts? Give me everything. Maybe Tanner, not yet. we don't we don't have, we don't have that much time. I, I could I could I could talk about Bedlam for three hours. I'm so I'm so ready. Um, I'm if you would have told me uh, a month ago at the end of September that I was going to be feeling this way about Bedlam, have a cautiously optimistic attitude towards it, uh, I wouldn't I would not have believed you. OU was rolling at the end of September. Um, OSU looked like they may not win a game the rest of the year. I mean, they were looking like a four and eight team, um, and and now like like. It's completely flipped. I mean, OSU is and and Ollie Gordon have completely um, flipped the script and and look like a and they are a really good team. I mean, you, you beat Kansas, you beat Kansas State. Those are two legitimate contenders still in the conference. Um, West Virginia even. So um, yeah, Tanner, I, I'm so ready. I'm ready for. Uh, hey, I'm ready for you to be back in Oklahoma too. We haven't. Uh, we, we, we haven't gotten to see each other in a while, and it's going to be a very fun time um, at, at Boone Pickens Stadium on Saturday. Absolutely. I'm I'm pumped for it. It's going to be awesome. Um, it's also, supposedly, I was looking at the weather today. It's going to be a great, great afternoon for football. So it's going to hey, be can we nice. just can we just say real quick, so glad that um, uh, Texas and Kansas got big kickoff, and we got the... 2:30 time slot on ABC. I'm so grateful for that. I, it was going to be a real uh, buzzkill if we had to play an 11 a.m. game. Um, so very, very happy. I love a 2:30 kick, especially in the fall. I think it's a really underrated time to kick. It's like still early enough in the day, but the game ends at night. So if it's a close game, you still have that like nighttime atmosphere. Um, yeah, love it. Can't wait. Yeah, yep. It's going to be a good time. Uh, Greg. Okay, I'm gonna give myself some flowers this week. Uh, I went Tanner, you didn't even give me a chance to. You didn't oh, give me. Oh, I'm a sorry. Chance. I was gonna bring it up. You do it. All right, you go for it then. I don't know how loud that clapping was, but Tanner, that was for you. A perfect <laughs> that was six not and week. <laughs> I just. Comp- I I hope that was a lot louder. We'll see. We'll see when we listen back. Uh, Tanner, a perfect six and a week, uh, back to back weeks for us. Um, I went six and zero last week. You went six and zero this week. Um, and uh, while the other was going six and zero, the other one of us was going five and one. So really, a, a solid two weeks from us. Um, what, what what would that be? Let's see, twenty twenty two and two in our picks. Wow, that's good. That's a good percentage right there. Uh, yes. And 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 not only did you. Uh, have a, a perfect six and a week, but you also got your lock right, um, which is always always adds a little uh, a little satisfaction to uh, uh, recording from last week. Yes, it does. You also you also hit your lock of the week, so 
we we did very well, um, if if I may say so myself. Um, I was honestly a little surprised that uh, Jason Bean was able to beat Oklahoma the way that they did. Um, it was just kind of a messy game. But yeah, let's honestly let's just let's just hop into. Are we it. going there? Let's yeah, just, let's, let's just do, do it. it. Uh, Kansas knocks off undefeated number six Oklahoma, 38 to 33, in what can only be described as a homecoming atmosphere. Like I said last week, uh, home homecoming makes people do crazy things like dragging uh, field goal posts into lakes. Um, I'm not sure if if are able to see that. I know Greg, Greg and I saw this, but um, if you haven't seen it yet, go on to some social media and find Kansas students dragging their field goal posts into a lake on campus but like i said kansas pulls out a win 38 33 um and what was it was sloppy if i if i have to say so it was it was pretty pretty gross um and it could be due to the weather but so i think yeah so obviously like like you mentioned tanner kansas kansas comes up comes out on top but backing it up to the beginning of the game so i'm sitting there and watching this game and uh, you know, first drive for OU, uh, Dylan Gabriel hesitates, um, takes an extra step and throws a pick six, uh, on just a quick hitch route, takes an extra step, throws a pick six and the booth is rocking. And I'm like, all right, here we go. We've got ourselves a game. The crowd's going to be into it. This, this is going to be a lot of fun. And then about 30 minutes later, uh, OU has completely stolen what seemed like all momentum. They were driving to tie the game after um, Kansas had kind of stalled out a little bit and weather delay, uh, some heavy rain in the area, some lightning. And uh, they went into a little over an hour's worth of a rain delay or a lightning delay, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, and Tanner, a lot of the fans left, which I understand not wanting to get poured rain on um there's no re-entry but w- is there not a way to hide underneath the bleachers i mean so I know kansas I think, has a glorified high school stadium the, we love the booth but it's it's pretty crappy like it was empty when when they came back so from what i understood and what i read um is that kansas the uh whoever runs the stadium we'll just call it the administration wasn't very clear on what what like people were allowed to do and what they were not allowed to do so that therefore students left not realizing that they couldn't come back to the game um mm, and so i that, think that that's and that one's on kansas admin for that that's on the athletic I, department i agree but before that the booth was literally 100 percent full so that's great to see we always love when the booth is packed but yeah uh, they come back from that that rain delay. I think what was it? KU was still up 14-7 at that point. Yeah, um, and OU was uh, basically in the red zone, and so that when they came back, OU scored a touchdown. Um, and and again, like I I I even tweeted this out, and then I regretted tweeting it out, but it was like the all the energy was sucked out of the stadium. Like for one, half the fans were gone and couldn't get back in, and then uh, OU ties the game basically the second the game resumes. Um, so I was sitting there thinking, okay, OU, they weathered the storm at the beginning. Maybe they got a little lucky with the rain delay, um, kind of, you know, kicked some of the fans out uh, and they're going to take over. But that, that's not what happened. Yeah. Um, then OU goes down, takes the lead. Uh, it's now 21, 14. 
then Kansas uh, kicks a field goal right before halftime, and they come out, score 10 unanswered points, and then it just kind of goes back and forth from there. Uh, ultimately, Kansas pulls it out. Um, it was it was a very weird game. There were no passing touchdowns. Um, Jason Bean throws for two picks. Dylan Gabriel throws for one. A lot of rushing touchdowns because, like we mentioned, the weather was pretty pretty gross. I was shocked. I mean, OU threw the ball not nearly as much as they thought it would. And like like you mentioned, Tanner, the weather's gross. The wind is is was pretty was pretty crazy. But Dylan Gabriel only has 19 pass attempts. It a lot of which were at the end of the game. OU does run for 269 total yards, and Dylan Gabriel had, uh, if you count sacks, 14 attempts. And and Tanner, you could correct me with uh, probably how many sacks he had, but ran for three touchdowns. Um, kind of a weird, almost backwards script from what I thought they were going to do. Um, OU's been struggling to run the ball and uh, to Wee Walker was able to run for almost 150 yards. I, b- I believe uh true freshman running back, um, even Jaleel Farouk a receiver got five carries. So definitely polar opposite from what I thought they were going to do. Um, maybe they're regretting that now the numbers, I mean, the numbers are good. The numbers are there, um, but maybe they're regretting um, maybe leaning on, on the ground game uh, and not on your, you know, your Heisman candidate, senior quarterback, Dylan Gabriel. Um, or on the other hand, Kansas, I mean, basically did exactly what we thought they were going to do. Um, they ran the ball as much as they could. Um, Jason Bean only had four attempts, but runs for 62 yards. I, he didn't look – he looked a lot better, Tanner, than the numbers showed. It, it, does that make sense? Like he throws for – he's not even at 50% completion percentage and throws for two picks and no touchdowns. But he didn't feel that way watching it. Yeah, I agree. Jason Bean is very, very dynamic. He can elude pressure. I feel like a lot of his incompletions were not necessarily incompletions as much as they were. He was just throwing the ball away uh, to get out of pressure or he wasn't able to find anything downfield. But yeah, it was a very, very impressive game. Um, And then we'll have to, we'll eventually talk about the rankings and, and coming into this week and, uh, the CFP, but it's very interesting to me that coming out of this game, Kansas is ranked. Kansas State is also ranked this week. Um, and yes, Greg and I might be drinking orange Kool-Aid, but I have some questions for the AP uh, voters. Okay, Greg, let's go ahead and talk about the stomping that was Texas against BYU. I called this a uh, three-point win for Texas <laughs> going <laughs> going into this, and I was proved wrong. But I do have to say, BYU was bad. Texas gave them, Texas actually gave BYU a lot of opportunities, and it, BYU just could not do anything. And so I will give credit to Texas's defense, but also BYU was completely inept on Saturday. BYU's offense was completely inept. I will, I will clarify that. Their defense did not play bad. They forced two turnovers. Um, they got themselves out of kind of some really tough situations at times. BYU's offense did them no favors. Uh, Keaton Slovis has a, a not a good day. Uh, throws for uh, under 200 yards, two picks, um, averages five yards of completion, which is is not good. 
Um, that, that that's just really not good. And then they they don't even eclipse 100 rushing yards as a team. Um, so yeah, Tanner, I'm, I mean, well, I wasn't overly impressed with Texas, but also I think this was more of a case of we were talking about it last week. BYU is so inconsistent. They got the bad BYU. I said, I hope the good BYU comes out uh, to, to play against Texas. And, and that's not what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I do want to mention we had some questions going into this game from Malik Murphy. And while he didn't have a fantastic game, it was also pretty, pretty average. But if you could throw for 170 yards, two touchdowns and only one interception and your rushing game goes for almost 200 yards. It's not, it's not a bad day, but also your, uh, your defense and your special teams is if they're able to provide points or good starting field position, that's exactly uh, what you need from all three phases of your game. So Texas is able to return a punt. Xavier worthy returns a 74 yard punt. And then um, the two interceptions that Keaton Slovis threw were returned for 45 and 40 yards respectively. So that's a great starting field position for your offense. So while the stats don't look great, once again, if you're able to do what the defense gives you, you might as well just take it and run with it. And then you end up winning by 29. So there's no complaints from, for me from Texas on this game. This was a very all around well-played game. Yeah, I think Texas did exactly what you need to do when you have a, a a young quarterback making his first start. I mean, you have to help him out. You cannot lean on him to win the game. Um, and like you mentioned, Tanner, special teams touchdowns, uh, defense forcing three turnovers. Um, I, I mean, they won in all three phases of the game without their offense being overly impressive. Um, and Malik Murphy did not have to do a whole lot. I'm not saying he played bad, but he did not have to do a whole lot for them to win the game. He could have done even less and they still would have won. So for Texas, I think that's a good sign. Um, however, and I, and I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself. Uh, Kansas State's not going to let them do that this week, but I'll save that for later. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that uh, later. But speaking of Kansas State, let's go ahead and talk about Houston visiting Kansas State. Houston gets blanked 41 to nothing. <laughs> um, this is very reminiscent of when Oklahoma State visited Kansas State last year. No, no, we, we don't have to talk about that. I'm, <laughs> it's I'm, it's I'm reminiscent. That off. <laughs> um, but Kansas State wins 41 nothing. Um, there is no no doubt at all that this was going to happen for me. Donovan Smith throws for under under 100 yards, which I do believe that they brought in their backup quarterback. They did, um, but Kansas State just looked so so dominant will howard once again they uh they split reps between will howard and avery johnson will howard throws significantly more than avery johnson does and honestly rushed for quite a bit more as well will howard played very very well on saturday um this game was not this game was on my phone actually so i had uh, <laughs> i had the kansas ou game on the tv i had the Texas and BYU game on the laptop. And then I had the Kansas state Houston game on my phone. Um, and I was just watching Kansas state score touchdown after touchdown. Yeah. I don't, I don't have much to say about this one. Kansas state looked really good um, and, and didn't even give Houston a chance. And um, Tanner, I heard a stat today. 
Um, we're we're go- we're going back to this. We've talked about it so many times. Uh, the newcomers are now three and seventeen in conference play. Three and seventeen. One of which was a head-to-head matchup, and the other Houston lucked themselves into. So uh, again, not taking that away from Houston. That is a legit win. Um, but it's a stat that is very telling. Um, and again, Tanner, what, what have we been talking about? I, I've, I said, if I'm 50-50 on a game, I don't know who to pick. I lean the uh, the legacy Big 12 team, and I think that's exactly what happened in the West Virginia UCF game. If, if you want to go ahead and move on to that, um, West Virginia uh, did not see them putting up this many points against UCF, um, but but wins 41-28. Uh, Garrett Green looked pretty good. Um, was able to run for three touchdowns, throw it a little bit too. Um, <laughs> honestly, Tanner, uh, West Virginia, they look good. Uh, John Rice Plumley throws for three picks. I think that's the story of the game. So if you if you were to tell me John Rice Plumley throws for 274 yards and three touchdowns, just stop there. You're like, okay, they they have a good chance of winning this game. If, if you're just looking solely at stats, not at score or watching the game itself, but then you say he has three interceptions, then you know UCF lost. This is this is a bad, bad game for UCF, specifically for John Rice Plumley. Um, they lose the turnover battle. Well, turnover battle four to one. West Virginia controlled the time of possession, 36 to 24. I mean, this is a very very good bounce back game. West Virginia, if I may say so myself. Yeah, I I think the Big 12 just confuses me, Tanner. And there's and there that's part of the reason why we do this podcast. It's it's so entertaining, it's so unpredictable. Um I still am not entirely convinced that UCF isn't at least an average football team. I they're definitely better than their record indicates at three and five. I, I'm not fully out on UCF. Um, from the standpoint of uh, they're not going to be a pushover. You're not going to beat them 41 Kansas State did to Houston. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I don't have much else to say on that one. Um, I think we can go ahead and move on. Um, Tanner, this was one that you were, you were all over this. Um, I may have changed your mind last second uh, with uh, – with with one of your with one of your picks, but Iowa State beats Baylor uh, 30 to 18 in Waco um, on Baylor's homecoming. So uh, did, that did not come into into play here. Yeah, no, Baylor's homecoming is I. It's not the same. It's not the same um, as Oklahoma State's or as Kansas's. I from from my understanding of things, it yeah, it's just different, but. Blake Shapin did not have a Blake Shapin type day. Well, I guess he did. No, he didn't. He didn't even have a normal Blake Shapin day. He had worse than a normal Blake Shapin day. He only threw for 239 yards, one touchdown, and one pick. Well, on 41 attempts, too, that's that, that's a lot of passing attempts for only throwing for 239 yards. Exactly. But I was I was watching this game, and I hate to go back to my my theme of last year. But Iowa State looked significantly more disciplined than Baylor did. Um, from from watching this game, it seemed 
like Rocco Becht, their offensive line, Iowa State's run game, their defense, everything was just a step ahead in the discipline department than Baylor's was, and that ultimately led to a 12-point win for Iowa State. Greg, we have a – which we can we can get to this in a little bit, but we have a, what, five-way tie in the Big 12 yep. for first place. Is Iowa State legit? Like, could they win out and make it to Arlington? Could they, could, could they win out? No. No, they're 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 not going to win out. Um, I, Iowa State is one of those teams. I think they have Tanner. They've done nothing but win. They they lost to OU, and given they got blown out by OU, but since conference play has started, they they're four and one. They have done nothing but win. But let's just let's just go through their wins really quickly. They beat an Oklahoma State team that was reeling, still trying to figure itself out at home by a touchdown. They got beat by 30 by OU. They beat a incompetent-looking TCU team right now by 13. Uh, a two and six Cincinnati team, and then a Baylor team that is just all sorts of confused. Like that that entire athletic department just seems like it's turned on itself. They have essentially beaten – I will give them credit for the Oklahoma State win, um, but they got Oklahoma State at the right time. Uh, they have essentially beaten the uh, the three bottom-tier teams, including probably two of the worst teams. Their next four games, a top-25 Kansas team at home, BYU on the road, a top-10 Texas team at home, and a road trip to Manhattan for Farmageddon uh, to close out the year. Tanner, they're not going through that unscathed. They're, they're, they're getting at least one or two more losses. I wouldn't be entirely – I'm not entirely convinced they don't come out of that with a one and three record. I don't disagree with you. I was just I was just seeing what your thoughts were on, on Iowa State and them being tied for first place in the Big 12. All right, Greg, let's go ahead and talk about another homecoming. There were, what, three homecomings this weekend? Um, Cincinnati visiting America's greatest homecoming in Stillwater. Uh, Oklahoma State beats Cincinnati 45-13. to 13. This game started out close in the first half. And then after halftime, Oklahoma State scores – wow, I can't do math uh, – 35 points in the second half and only gives up six. Yeah. Um, first thing I have to call out Tanner, it was cold. It was so cold. It was, there was a, uh, basically a perpetual mist the entire game. It wasn't raining, but it was misting. It was probably 38, 39 degrees. Um, and yeah, it, it was so cold. Um, it was an ugly, ugly weather, and the game started off that way too. It was, it was an ugly game. It was fairly uh, sloppy. Both teams had a couple of turnovers. Both teams had fumbles. Uh, Oklahoma State actually threw a pick too at the end of the first half. Um, kind of a a, a, a pick with five seconds left, so not not a necessarily a legitimate um, game-changing turnover, but uh, ugly, ugly game. And then Tanner, they come out in the second half and score 21 points in the third quarter. And, and most of that due to uh, 
Gordon, who again runs for 271 yards uh, on the day, two touchdowns. Um, Tanner, I don't think you and I have talked about him on the po- on this podcast very much because of the fact that we are Oklahoma State fans. We we see the Ollie Gordon talk. Um, we know how much it is being talked about. So for us, it's like maybe not worth reiterating. But we have to talk about him. He's now the nation's leading rusher. He is, at least in my opinion, a firm right now top 10, you can argue top five Heisman candidate. Um, If the Heisman wasn't basically a QB award, he would certainly be top five. Uh, Tanner, Oklahoma State looks better in all phases, offense, defense, even special teams than um, than they did in the first half of the year. It's not all due to Ollie Gordon, but oh my gosh, where where would they be without him? Uh, probably two and six. Flip a record. Um, maybe maybe not quite that bad, but it would be tough. Um, Greg, I hesitated doing it last week. I caught myself on the podcast while we were recording, saying, "Oh no, I can't do that." Well, I think I have to. Um, this is three games in a row of all-purpose yards going over 270. Um, he had, how many touchdowns did did he have against Kansas? Did he have one or two? Uh, I I forget, but he had at least, uh, he had at least one. So he had four against West Virginia and then, uh, two against Cincinnati. He is... Dare I say, putting up legendary Oklahoma State running back numbers. He is putting up Barry Sanders, Thurman Thomas numbers. And I didn't want to say it last week because I don't want people to call me out saying that Ollie Gordon is Barry Sanders. No, but they are just very similar numbers. Barry Sanders did this in his Heisman season, put up over 250 yards a game all season long. And this is just super duper impressive. Like the fact that he wasn't even the starting running back until week four of the season and is now leading the nation in rushing yards is the most insane stat that I've ever heard. Like it it doesn't make any sense. He got three carries against South Alabama. Like um, where would how far ahead of the pack would he be right now if he even got 10 more carries a game those first three weeks? It's it's nuts. And two. Add fuel to your fire for Barry Sanders comparison. Tanner, the last Oklahoma State running back to run for over 250 yards in consecutive games, other than now Ollie Gordon, was Barry Sanders. Like it, it, it is absolutely mind blowing. And you're talking about Barry Sanders, who is arguably, and many would argue this, not just you and I, the greatest college running back of all time. The numbers that he put up have been matched by no one. Christian McCaffrey came very, very close. Christian McCaffrey had a bowl game that added to his numbers. Barry Sanders, all those numbers you see from the 88 Heisman season did not count the bowl game because Tanner, they didn't even count bowl games back then <laughs> to, towards towards your numbers. Um, so what Ollie Gordon is doing right now is insane. And I think the hump that he ha- now has to get over is 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 twofold. One The opposing team, he is the focus. OU is going to key on him. 
Cincinnati already did. West Virginia already did. They weren't able to stop them. But now you have to do it again. Not You have to continue to do it. And now you have to do it at a on a national stage. Again, West Virginia is a good football team. Morgantown is a hard place to win. Cincinnati is, it, you know, they might not have the, the record to show for it, but they have one of the better defensive lines of the Big 12. Those are really good games. Tanner, he's got to do it on the national stage against OU. Uh, I know he's not a quarterback. Uh, uh, wins and losses are very much a quarterback stat, but um, Tanner, uh, a, a running back on a eight and four, seven and five um, team is is not winning the Heisman. So yeah. again, he's he's got to be able to 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 produce uh, when 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 the lights are brightest, which will be this week. I agree. Um, not to not to solely focus on Oklahoma State here, but Emory Jones did not have a good day. Their Cincinnati's running game had a pretty decent game, 277 yards on the ground. Yeah. But but nothing. It was it was never like they were going to really. They did break off a 75 yard run. There was one or sorry, 63 yard touchdown run but other than that there was never really a worry that they were going to break off another one they they had a they did not have a lot of sustained success um i will say there were about two or three runs prior to the one they broke off where i kind of held my breath because our last line of defense kind of came in at the last second and um basically uh was able to cut off the running back before he hit the hole um, but yeah, Cincinnati had a couple of, uh, really good looks and, and they were able to hit on one of them, but it, again, they weren't able to sustain that going into the second half. Um, whereas Oklahoma state came out of the, uh, out of halftime looking like a different team. Yep. So, uh, I don't have much more to say on that one, Tanner. I know we went a little bit long cause we got to, uh, talk about Ollie Gordon, but we've got a lot of games to get to this week. There are seven conference games. So yes, the most, we do. no one's got a bye week. Yep. Okay, Greg, let's go ahead and pick a team or two to put on upset alert. I'm going to go first because I'm just going all the way with this. I'm putting OU on upset alert. Um, I did it last week. I'm doing it again. They're now ranked number 10. They're 7-1, playing Oklahoma State 6-2. and um, I'm putting OU on upset alert. Who you got, Greg? Man. Tanner, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go there too, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about this game when when we kind of get to our picks. But I am also putting OU on upset alert. I'm gonna caveat that with again, you're talking about OU, who's still a top ten team uh, according to the AP poll at least. Uh, they are a six point road favorite. Uh, that means that if basically these two teams were playing on a neutral field, they'd be favored by more than a touchdown. Um, Tanner, I'm putting them on upset alert. I don't know how. I, I think the difficulty of going from playing back-to-back road games, especially losing in a very tight, hard-fought game, and then having to go back on the road the following week, that that is mentally taxing. Um, and I think that this OU team is. I think I think that they're good, but again, it, it's what I've been saying. I was kind of hoping they would beat Kansas last week. I, I thought they were – I didn't think they were good enough to go undefeated uh, after watching Kansas beat them. Uh, Tanner, they're vulnerable. Um, they, they are vulnerable, uh, and, and I 
for that reason, I am putting them on upset alert. All right. Okay, let's go ahead and make our picks now, Greg. TCU visits Texas Tech Thursday night in Lubbock. It's going to be at uh, 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, depending on what time zone you're in. I guess 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, or 7, 7 o'clock, depending on what time zone you're in. <laughs> um, Greg, who do you have? Uh, Tanner, I'm going to I'm gonna take Texas Tech. Um, I feel I feel good about this. I think um, – I was probably I would probably pick the home team here regardless, uh, just just because I, I think the two teams are fairly even. But uh, Tech gets Baron Morton back from injury. Uh, remember uh, their their loss to BYU. Um, one of those other three wins uh, was BYU playing Tech's third string quarterback, who did not play very well. Uh, with Baron Morton coming back, I think that gives Tech the edge, and I I have them winning this game. I have TCU. Because I still don't believe in Texas Tech. That is all. <laughs> Man, tech people are going to hate you if they ever find this podcast. That's fun by me. Uh, they have to win a couple games to make me pick them. Okay, Greg, let's go ahead and talk a top 25 matchup here. Kansas State plays Texas Tech. This is a, this is a morning slate. Texas. Like you were talking. You got Texas? No, no, no. I was saying they play Texas. You, oh, you, did you I say were, Texas were, Tech? Yeah, you you were you were just they were in your head. You were thinking about Texas Tech. Yeah, sorry. Kansas State plays Texas in Austin. Texas is currently a four point favorite. Who do you have? Tanner, I have Kansas State, but here's what I'm going to caveat it with. Kansas State has not beaten Texas since 2016. Uh, I was still in high school at the time, as were as were you, since we graduated the same year. Uh, it's it's been a long time. It's been a long time since Kansas State has beaten Texas, uh, but I think this is the year they get over the hump. Uh, Will Howard has been playing much much better since that Oklahoma State loss, uh, and then adding in Avery Johnson to the mix has really kind of added a, a a sense of of unpredictability uh, from the Kansas State offense. Uh, and then you add in the fact their defense has been playing fantastic. Um, I like Kansas State in this one. Uh, what I mentioned earlier was Malik Murphy was was fine last week to to coast as long as you don't screw up, manage the game, you're going to win. That is not the case this week. He's going to have to make some plays. Uh, Tanner, I, I'm I'm going there. Kansas State is a disciplined football team. It's one of the reasons hey, why I'm picking them to win. There we are, uh, Greg. I'm going to make it short and simple. I'm going Kansas State. That's it. I'm I'm just going there. I think that Will Howard and Avery Johnson, like you said, will go into Austin and win a game for the first time since our senior year of high school. It will be done. Okay. Let's go ahead and talk about two, three, and five teams matching up here, Greg. This honestly, depending on I haven't I don't remember the rest of Houston or Baylor's schedule, but this could be a little vault towards maybe a bull berth. Um Houston visiting Baylor. Like I said, both teams are three and five. Baylor's currently a four-point favorite. Who do you have here? I have Baylor, um, and I'm just going back to the philosophy of if I am not sure, I am picking the OG Big 12 team, so I will take Baylor. Also, they're the home team, so that helps too. Yeah, I like your philosophy until I don't like it. Um, and right now, I don't like it. I think that Dana Holgerson is is really upset. They got screwed against Texas. 
that got destroyed last week against Kansas State. I think that Dana Holgerson, in his crazy mind, is going to pull something out of where the sun don't shine and go into Waco and pull out a win. You're giving him a lot of credit for having not really won anything as a head coach there, Tanner. Exactly. (laughs) He is crazy, and so I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because crazy people do crazy things sometimes. All right, Greg, let's talk about UCF visiting Cincinnati. Battles of the newcomers, former American Athletic Conference rivals. Well, maybe not rivals, but foes. Um, This game is – They they did kind of establish a little rivalry there at the end. I don't know if it's legit. I guess when they were both good, yeah. That's I mean, fair. they were these were these were two American Conference powers right here facing off as Big Twelve opponents now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, who do you have? This this is Cincinnati at home. UCF is I, currently favored by four and a half. I'm going UCF. I think, like I said earlier, I don't think they're I don't think they're as bad as their record indicates. Whereas for Cincinnati, I'm just I'm not bought in. They don't. They don't do a lot for me. Emory Jones has struggled this year. Um, I, I've got UCF, even though Cincinnati is the home team. I'm also going UCF here. I think that Cincinnati has lost five straight now, so they're they're struggling. They're struggling pretty pretty grandly, if I may say so. Okay, Greg, let's go ahead pick Bedlam. I'm going first because I don't want nobody to say that I copied you. I'm okay. doing it. I'm taking Oklahoma State. Do, do you want to explain why? Are you just orange sunglasses or? <laughs> I w- okay. After watching the last couple weeks of both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State has been playing significantly better each week. Where whereas Oklahoma, on the other hand, has been dropping off. The last the last two weeks, they should have they should have lost to UCF. And they lost to Kansas. And so I think that they're going to continue that slide, and especially with it being with this game being in Stillwater. Everybody in Stillwater is getting up for this game. It doesn't matter if it's a dog, if it's your grandma, whoever it is, this game is going to be one of the biggest games of the year. And I have Oklahoma State winning this one. It'll be one of the biggest games in, in multiple years, Tanner. I mean, I think that this rivalry and for the state of Oklahoma, I mean, it's a huge deal. Um, one could argue it's a bigger deal, bigger deal for Oklahoma State than it is Oklahoma. And, and, and I don't I mean, that's fine. That that might be partially true. I, I don't really care. Um OU cares about this game. They 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 want to send Oklahoma or not send. They want to to leave Oklahoma State with an L as they uh, ride off into the sunset into the SEC. Uh, Tanner, everything you said is true. Everything you said, I agree with. Oklahoma State is the hotter team right now. They are going to have the best player on the field in Ollie Gordon. They are going to have the home field advantage. Tanner, I have been burnt way too many times by this game. I said last year, and I said this multiple times before, but this time I'm actually doing it. I could never pick Oklahoma State in a Bedlam game again. Tanner, this is the last Bedlam game for 
10 years, 15 years, 20 years, who knows? Maybe they'll match up in a bowl game. Gundy was talking about that earlier today. Uh, I, I cannot justify picking Oklahoma State with the amount of times they've put me through just through the ringer this game. Stop um, emotionally and, hedging. That's what I, you're I, doing. No, this is different than an emotional yes, hedge. No, it's not. This is different because I'm I'm using logic in this. OU, and, and this, this part is illogical, but OU somehow always finds a way to do something in this game that they have not done all season. It, it, it without fail, every time, I'll never forget, even the year that we won two years ago, you and I were there uh, in, in 2021, and all of a sudden, OU's throwing to Austin Stogner, the tight end, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, Austin Stogner has three catches all year. And he's got two receiving touchdowns, and he's throwing up the X in the end zone with Des Bryant on OSU sideline. Happens every year. Something always happens. I have OU, um, even though, yes, I did put them on upset alert, um, as we have been over. That doesn't necessarily mean we have to think that that team is going to lose. Um, I do have them on upset alert for everything you said. But for my pick, I am picking OU uh, because Tanner, um, they usually find a way to win Bedlam games. All right. You are you are right, but you are also emotionally hedging. Okay, let's go ahead and pick another what I think is going to be a very good game. Kansas visits Iowa State. It's a night game in Ames. Kansas is ranked number twenty-two. Greg, who do you have? Tanner, this is something we talked about before we started recording. Uh, I, I'm going to take West Virginia out of this for a second. I I think that you can argue they're still a contender. Um, I I don't really necessarily by that uh 10 of the top six teams in the conference are facing each other this weekend you have texas and kansas state who are tied for first ou and osu who are tied for first and then iowa state who is also tied for first and kansas who's tied for second uh facing off against each other so you have these six contenders uh facing off and honestly it's an elimination weekend um that's not to say that if a team loses this weekend that they are totally out although if uh, Kansas lost, they'd probably be out since they would have three conference losses. Um, but this is, this is a big game. Uh, this is a big game. Uh, 6 p.m. ESPN. I love the fact that uh, we're getting a Kansas and Iowa State on ESPN. Uh, Tanner, I'm going to go ahead and pick uh, Kansas. Um, I, I, it's tough to pick against. Um, it's tough to pick against Jack Trice Stadium at night. Um, but I have I have Kansas. I I don't think that Iowa State is going to continue to pull off these wins. This is the first legitimate team they've played, um, you could argue, since OU. Um, it's been a while. I'll, I'll take Kansas. I'm also going Kansas here, and I'll just I'll just say it. Uh, this is my lock. Kansas is my lock of the week. I I agree with you. I think that most of the teams that Iowa State has played have been illegitimate outside of OU. Um, just speaking in conference, Oklahoma State when they when they beat Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State had not, or I guess this was that was the first week that they had decided on a quarterback and on a running back, and so there was not the chemistry built up that there is now. So I think that Iowa State is not maybe as good as their conference record shows. Okay, Greg, and finally let's talk BYU. Visiting West Virginia, the Mormons' first taste of Morgantown. I think 
I think that West Virginia wins this one pretty easily. Yeah, and the Big 12 kind of did BYU dirty with this one. Sending them to Austin, and then the following week, sending them all the way out to Morgantown. I mean, uh, you could probably do the calculation, but other than flying to Orlando to play UCF, this is by far the the longest uh, uh, distance uh, travel-wise road game for for BYU. Um, I've got West Virginia as well. Um we could see good BYU come out to play, but hey, West Virginia is technically they are they are right there. They are still technically speaking under. You know, this is for eligibility for both teams. Um, Neil Brown has been on the hot seat. A bowl game would do a lot for him and that team and that program. Absolutely, it would. I completely agree with you there, Greg. Okay, Greg, who is your lock of the week? All right, you you gave out a a, a line that um we're we're seeing two different lines here, so I'm I'm oh, gonna go with, right. my with bad, mine. My um, oh no, it's okay. It's it's a half point, but you know what, Tanner, I'm I'm gonna take the half point. Uh, number twenty five, Kansas State at number seven, Texas. Texas is a four and a half point favorite. I will take Kansas State to cover that, as I also have them winning. Um, like I said earlier, uh, Tanner, we both love a good disciplined football team, and you know what? You you know it would be really really sweet. What's that? Kansas State and Oklahoma State, two schools, agriculture, known for agriculture, small town Oklahoma, small town Kansas, beating up on the big bad brands of the Big 12 that are leaving the conference, handing OU and Texas a loss on the same weekend to firmly secure both of their positions as tied for first in the conference would be just extra perfect. Um, and, and for that reason, um, well, not for that reason, but that is the reason why I'm cheering for Kansas State. Um, but I'm making Kansas State my lock. So there we go. I'm trusting in you, Will Howard. <laughs> and Avery Johnson. But mostly Will Howard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Greg, do you have anything else that you want to say to the good listeners? Go freaking pokes. <laughs> Uh yeah, we're Oklahoma State fans here. If you can, if tell. we Tanner, if we recorded this on Friday, I would have picked Oklahoma State. It sounds it's like too, you're a fake fan. No, no, it's it's the emotional um it, it is the emotional roller coaster that I go through every Bedlam week. Um, Monday and Tuesday, I, you know, I'm pretty even keel. I'm a little bit more reasonable, and by about Wednesday and Thursday, I'm on my phone watching the like two. Bedlam wins we have in the last 10 years, all the, the you know, the three highlights we have. And uh, I'm like decked out in all orange, ready for <laughs> ready, ready for us to win a third in 10 years. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, everybody, if you would not mind leaving us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. It helps us grow. Um, also, if you're listening to this podcast, we would love it if you would share this podcast with your friends, your family, your dogs, your coworkers, whoever it is. Please be sure to share this with your friends so that more Big 12 fans can get in on this conversation because we don't think that the rest of the large-scale media is doing the Big 12. It's just us. We thank you guys for listening, and we hope you have a fantastic week 10 of the college football season. We thank you. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.